So Sam dropped some new information into my life, and I kind of want the world to know it before we do the episode. Paraphrasing information that I gleaned months ago, but I guess in the original drafts of the you know original Pokemon anime from the late 90s, uh, the Pokedex was originally supposed to be a character. It was supposed to be deeply sarcastic and have a personal dislike for Ash Ketchup. Can you imagine the life that would have added to that show? Imagine if after he set, like, Butterfree free or some shit, it said, Deeply impressive, sir. What will we be winning with now? I, I mean, yeah, it might have become a deeply beloved franchise by millions of members of our generation if they had done that. Listen, listen, listen. You can change lives or become a generation-defining thing with your own theme park, or you can impress. Wait, they've got a theme park? That's like a, sort of like a walkthrough thing. Mm. It, it's better than nothing. Or you can impress Denard T. Dale. I swear to God, more, almost more so than Disney, Pokemon has enough shit associated with it for a really fucking kick-ass theme park. Imagine, like, a Dragonite indoor roller coaster. They went in like, by... a la Peter Pan's flight. They went in by default with over 150 character designs. I hope they have some grist. There's so much shit that you could do. What would I want in a Pokemon theme park? I want park employees dressed as various teams based on the part of the park you're in. I like that idea. I I know I like the idea of um of having, you know, multiple lands, you know, a la, you know, Disneyland or whatever. And you know, you start out in Kanto, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, um over one way is going to be Sinnoh and you know, there's a whole bunch of, you know, like fake snow all over <laughs> the place. And over uh over in the other side of the park is Hoenn and uh there's just trumpets, trumpets blaring from all the speakers. <laughs> there <laughs> you guests. <laughs> Well done. You win. <laughs> Man. And then in the Unova one, everyone speaks with sort of, um, not appropriated, but just misunderstood New York slang. All of the, uh, all of the various cast members. Hey, buddy, where are you from? Nice shoes. Where'd you get them? These are all pre-robbery statements. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Word. Okay. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Keep that one in your memory banks. It's useful data. <laughs> Did we ever tell you guys about the time we went to the Bronx? I mean, I lived there, but... <laughs> well, no, I mean, that that one time when we went to the Bronx. That was good. That was good. It was my birthday, and uh, we went to Arthur Avenue uh, to go to one of the really nice Italian places out there. And on the way back, what happened? What was your perspective on this? My perspective on this was that we were all in a jazzy mood, and there was this large thrift shop thing that caught someone's eye. We're like, oh yeah, that will be a good diversion. And a guy standing outside of the gate of the thrift shop, like a guardian, just shouts... Projecting it like almost like a laser at Sam and me in the front, just hey, where are you from? <laughs> and we retarded to the front of the pack, and without discussing with the others, just bent left into the subway station, <laughs> possessed by the gods of cowardice. 
I think it is important to note just how how quickly I made that decision to just disappear. And I just saw the subway stop coming up. I heard the words. And this entire summer, Denard and I had just been saying where you're from whenever <laughs> whenever we were playing video games and we were delivering a beating or getting a beating delivered to us or witnessing a beating being delivered to anyone from anyone in any context. Video games, anime, whatever the fuck alike. So after having repeated where you're from to one another all summer, I actually hear it in real life and have so conditioned myself to associate it with getting the shit kicked out of one, which, not incorrect. I disappeared down... There's a precedent. (laughs) Disappeared down those fucking subway steps. Uh, Great. In short... There needs to be, like, some kind of version of Schoolhouse Rock for this shit. I feel like children need this information. I'm also pretty sure he wasn't talking to us. That would make it even funnier. We never stopped to see. We never stopped to confirm if he was talking to us or someone else. Yeah, we really did not leave much room for that situation to evolve or change. No, I, you know, I could have found out. But I didn't. I feel like I made the proper decision by not doing so. Bending it back to the poke nostalgia for a second. Sure. You're on this whole bit about the quality of life stuff they've sort of... Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, uh, so recently, uh, Morgan and I got COVID, and to cheer ourselves up, we got a Switch, finally. <laughs> uh, and the first purchase was one of the new Pokemon games. Yeah, at a glance, uh, three meters to the left, that's pretty much their lifeline right now. They're having fun. They're having, they're, they're having more fun than I would, because <laughs> having been kind of glancing over their shoulder for the last couple of days it uh comes off less as a game and more as just a big box of quality of life features that also has one or two pokemon in it now considered making this oh oh i'm getting the look now (laughs) so morgan's on the other side of the room that's your version of the look? Do you know the hateful venom I've had thrown to me in my life? <laughs> yeah, you've God. had, like, way worse luck than me. <laughs> Sometimes the look is just an object sailing across the room and hitting the wall way more hard than you're comfortable with. I don't think that's ever happened to you. <laughs> I think you're bluffing. <laughs> I call. Ugh. I made that one up. Okay. <laughs> Nobody does that. No. Well, maybe one or two people does that, but I feel like I'd have heard about that before now. It's just, I was considering trying that new one, and um, I know yeah, that's disappointing to me in, in, in a way because I am in that broken school of gamer where... You're just fucking wandering around? Sorry, Morgan is showing me a Golurk just wandering around like it's nothing. Like he's out for a fucking stroll. Got It's the fucking one that looks like Gigantor. Oh, that was a pull. Good job. Oh, man. I'm getting all kinds of black and white animation flashbacks now. I've watched anime. I've watched some anime. Some of it's been vintage. Fair enough, fair enough. I've also seen Gigantor. But my point, I'm in that broken school of fucking gamer. Mm Mm-hmm. Where I spent most of my time in Dark Souls as a dark moon. And that means something specific. And I'll tell you what it means in my long rambling matter. Please. 
So Dark Souls is famous for fucking player invasions. And if you're a real asshole, a real hilarious YouTube troll, murder people soul fucko, you'll often be a dark wraith. All black armor, hand that absorbs blows, etc. Mm-hmm. And you will go around killing people. And you get, like, there's like a, a, a good and evil meter called Karma in the game store. It's not called Karma, I remember what it's fucking called. It's been a long time since I fucking played it. Because I am an easily agitated person, I grew to deeply resent these dark wraiths. <laughs> I thought, what the hell? I'm an innocent young gamer. <laughs> when you could associate the nouns innocent and gamer or whatever. I'm a college boy. And then I find out, after getting ganked and ganked and murdered over and over again. Let me tell you, I was not having a positive KD ratio just here. just go offline. I mean, you lose access to the uh, to, to the notes, I guess. Uh, no, because then my toxic masculinity gets all mad. And oh, then, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Say no more. Yeah. So, <laughs> then I find out that there's a covenant called the Dark Moon, and the benefits kind of suck, and it's hard to find corner, and you have to sort of skip finding this one boss to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you do it, it's a very specific PvP covenant that hunts the worlds of people with high negative karma. E.g., you are the fucking police (laughs) (laughs) coming into the world of trolls. In my head at this point, I'm fucking righteous. I'm helping players. I'm showing them what it feels like to be kicked down the pit in Anor Orlando or chased through the invisible woods. And eventually, I have become the monster <laughs> that I hated. Just invading people at the worst possible moments in the game. And it really just taught me about, like... I understand the hole in the Punisher's character writing now because they never really admit to the idea, unless you're Garth Ennis, that he's just as bad as what he's pursuing. <laughs> But as I'm throwing poison mud pies at fucking dark graves, just trying to get through the Gravelord Nido dungeon, which is hell, <laughs> I learned something about myself. Anyway, fuck 12. <laughs> anyway, fuck 12. Actual point today. Yes. We got two shows. Basically mm-hmm. as different as... As different as they could possibly be. Yeah, these these live across the fucking ocean from each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first one... Oh, no, they both take place in Japan. The first one was a sort of resurrected classic. Uh, my understanding is that the manga ran for significantly longer. We, we checked out the anime, and the anime was... Good. Just, good, great. Just very good. And this was called uh, Shigurui, or Death Frenzy. I don't know if that's part of the original title, or it's one of those semicolon mania things that happen with English translations sometimes. For how much money they seem to have spent on it, for just how much care they put into adapting this thing, it is kind of a wonder that it didn't make bigger waves and that I had never heard of it until you suggested that we watch it. I am very surprised because this thing has basically only ever come up in discussion in person otherwise like three times in my whole life. And one time was just the guy giving me a, hey, you're the kind of person who would like this kind of recommendation. Sure. He's actually a fantasy illustrator. Interesting guy. <laughs> he, he thought that he would like one of the most miserable fucking pieces of media I've ever consumed. Oh, and it is such well-rendered misery. <laughs> oh, it's, it's very well-rendered misery. Don't get me wrong. Should we do like a whole premise hook thing or just get into the show itself? It's a martial arts series about... 
about just swords and shit, Japanese swordsmanship, right? Yeah, and like, take all the fidelity and author level love of the actual thing, but just drain all notions of this being a romantic, awesome life in which there is purpose or meaning. I would sort of refer to it as like the Japanese equivalent of one of those really fucking dark, bleak, revisionist westerns. Yeah, yeah, like things they made like five years like, after Tombstone. There is Tombstone. nothing. There is nothing cool about this era. <laughs> These people, assholes at best, monsters at worst, and uh, many of them are. So far, our moral paragon is our lead, who's one of his introductory actions is he's sparring in his dojo, and basically chokes out another student in casual practice to make sure that he learns. Just really, a really dedicated guy. A guy who really, really wants everyone to understand how important this is to him. And you think, oh, that's a little extreme. I guess he'll, he might be a mode of moral ambiguity. Nope, nope, this is the best guy nope, you're meeting. Nope, this is, this, is, uh, this is the height of, uh, God, what a depressing fucking series. It gets worse the further you get into it. All right, spoilers from here because this is kind of a hard fucking one to talk about. Yeah. Um, if if you need to jump ahead, I like it. Yeah, it's very good. It's a slow burn martial arts thing. In terms of the misery of their fucking lives, this show has a fucking scene where its de facto main antagonist goes back to his childhood home, where his mother is sort of a mental invalid prostitute, mm-hmm. and he has flashbacks of his upbringing with her. But he still loves her all the same. And murders her ass to cover the tracks of his scheme to become like a small dojo chair in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And I just sat there. Looking at this show. I I, I know, I fucking love it. It's... Is, Is this what you would describe as like modern Denard core? Is it a version of Denard core? I think... If everything is played straight, I would call it a version of Denard Core. Because Sam Core, Sam Core is something that I... It's, it could qualify as Sam Core. Because Sam Core, after having a few discussions with Morgan about it, uh, I have narrowed down to just the words violent and sad. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to fit these two just these two descriptors in order to count. So, And this is it. violent. It is also very sad. Thus, this is kind of Samcor right here. Something I think is not coming off in my description of this show. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think it sounds like a very... It is serious. It is straightforwardly serious. Oh yeah, there's not a single fucking joke in this thing. But it is not under the top. No. Like, our main character, again, riding the spoiler train... Becomes a one-armed swordsman. And the other one becomes a fucking Zatuichi. And they are fixated on techniques in a way that is simultaneously a more disturbing and coked out. But it has that sort of Roni Kenshin kind of approach to like describing sword techniques and how they work and what they mean. It's very clear that they were really, really into drawing musculature, specifically. Very much so. It's like... If the Baki guy knew restraint. <laughs> As I enjoyed Death Frenzy, I got to breathe in deeply and think, ah, I know this sword-fixated manga author. 
doesn't touch kids. <laughs> or desire to touch kids. That Roroni Kenshin shit is the most disappointing... What, you know what's even more disappointing is that he just went back to writing it after he was either done serving either a short jail sentence or paying paying a fine or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it wasn't I think much. his grand penalty was be, like being moved from like the main Shonen Jump magazine to like to... Jump Plus, <laughs> which is, you know, we're fucking Chainsaw Man runs, so I wouldn't call it a fucking penalty. I guess we should probably... We want to be the ones to maybe break the news on that before the anime airs, right? Oh, Chainsaw Man or Chainsaw Man, probably. Or I mean, the news has probably been broken on Chainsaw. Yeah, Man. but it'll be good. It'll be good to talk about. Not fun talking about. We'll, we'll do an episode on that later. All right. Anyway, a uh, death frenzy, only marginally less violent than Chainsaw Man, has. Sometimes I worry about my attention span. From just being an anime viewer. As the format for Better or Worse gets more sort of frenetic mm-hmm. in its delivery live action elements over time. And boy, Shigurui just, without becoming plodding, takes its fucking time with everything. Yes. I mean, it seems to be... You could call it one big flashback, or you could say that one or two... You know, the events taking place at the beginning and the very end are um, a framing device. Mm-hmm. It is just a single fight taking place, right, at this little martial arts tournament. And we don't even see the rest of the tournament, right? It is a single fight taking place. And the backstory behind that particular fight. And it it really cannot be understated just how inconsequential this fight is. Because this is <laughs> the a relative of the Shogun hosting a martial arts tournament where they use real blades instead of wooden ones because this particular dude is kind of a sick fuck, right? Mm -hmm. And so, out in this part of Japan that no one fucking goes to, it seems, you have these two fighters, one of whom is going to kill the other one, and no one's going to really care after today because this fight amounts to so little, so much less than they think it does. As I saw that... It just made me think about how caked in great social commentary that is in a thing that doesn't really seem to care that much about social commentary. I don't know. I would I mean, call it, care, it... No, not doesn't care. It's... I would call it a really fucking stinging indictment of, you know, all of these cultural attitudes that defined this, you know, this nation for so many centuries and kind of continue to do so in, you know, subtle ways. Not that I am exactly an authority on this topic, but well, he really, you know, really need... fucking seems to hate the idea of Bushido. Yeah, you he don't... really seems to think it is as bullshit as Manifest Destiny was. Yeah, you don't need to be too deeply educated in this one to get that theme, because you could almost feel the pen digging into his face. It's just ball. like, you give the shit, you're still dead! <laughs> There's a lesson for you kids, uh... Don't die for nothing. Maybe not too applicable in 21st century Japan. You know, let me just knock on wood. Who knows where, when, and how the next fucking fash wave hits, but... There's wood underneath this tablecloth. Mm, you can hear it echoing. Fine wood. But yeah, I really enjoy that aspect of the show. Just the really terrible ways their pursuit of the non-stakes of this martial system shape their lives. It's... Because, you know, the samurai class, if you think about it, was relatively small, right? Mm -hmm. This is something that only really mattered to these people who had fucking nothing to do. 
So this was after Hideyoshi uh, took away everyone's swords. So the samurai have nothing to fucking do anymore. So they hold these tournaments and act like their technique, you know, their dojo's technique, you know, if this actually makes any real difference in the world. And it doesn't. That is what this series purports. It fucking doesn't. It is just a bunch of fucking assholes convincing one another and themselves that they're doing something important and ruining theirs and other people's lives in pursuit of this idea. So what I was trying to get at earlier, and I sort of misframed it, Mm -hmm. I think a great trick, and you don't have to do this, but if you're interested in social commentary, and you're interested in action, and you're having trouble marrying the two, just remember that an action thing often just intrinsically involves a lot of people dying for no apparent reason, Mm -hmm. and instead of trying to fight that, you can lean into that. You can, like, figure out what that reason is. You can figure out what that reason is, and that can get you into some nice, fun, Gundam death frenzy territory. Exactly, yes. That's, uh... And that is at the heart of Samcor. <laughs> I have somewhat of a bias towards shows like Death Frenzy. <laughs> Not the least because it's called Death Frenzy. That was quite a way of hooking you in, though. You think that you're going to go for some fucking, you know, trauma shit. Right. You're going for some trauma shit, and it ends up being pretty goddamn Kino instead. I was basically expecting a period version of God of High School. Yeah, exactly. And I was very pleasantly surprised to find a period version of Anton Chigger putting the fucking shotgun against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't know. I like finding nice things like when nice things happen. This show is metal as fuck, by the way. We talked about that Lord earlier. One of the opening scenes of this whole fucking thing. And I don't know who this man is. (laughs) I don't know if he's even named. Why he was born of steel in his blood. But the first thing he does is cut his stomach open. Then walk into the scene proper and show the wound off and say, This is what a tournament with real blades does to people, my lord. I beg you not to unleash this nightmare upon the people. And then he fucking dies. And the gesture does nothing because, you know, establish how 13 assassins whacked out this noble is. Yes. Also, watch 13 Assassins if you haven't. Also, watch 13 Assassins. It is my favorite film by uh, by the, its director, Takashi Miki. If you like 13 Assassins, watch a show. If you like this show, watch 13 Assassins. Yes. Would be my uh, cross-reference there. Well, all I can think of during this scene is... This man just invented death metal a <laughs> hundred years ahead of time. <laughs> But yeah, very slow action show, but not spared its peach of action or pure fucking madness. No. I shouldn't even say pure fucking I guess it's more like an artful madness. Like, it knows what it's doing. Like, there is a spectrum on the whole action scale where, like, this show is on one end, Basilisk is in the middle, and God of High School is doing cartwheels in the corner. This show... Feels like the answer to the question, what is the opposite of Konosuba? <laughs> what is the opposite of Konosuba? And I'm pretty sure it's this. It's, I'm pretty sure it's this. <laughs> this, is, this. This is the closest approximation I can come, just in terms of... 
tone, plot, sense of humor, the types of characters, just... Down to the pacing. The animation, the pacing, just... Like, Konosuba is on that pure 30 Rock shit. And I say this, you know, with the understanding that I like Konosuba. I think Konosuba is very funny. It is, again, to this date, the only isekai that I have ever just purely enjoyed. Yeah, it's... They both get the same, uh medium label but it's kind of harder to find two things of a further thrown creative ethos though they both do have tangible creative ethos which a lot of fucking shows are missing i think that a number of these showrunners light novel authors would be hard pressed to be able to define that i had my comeuppance recently Mm -hmm. for all of the hate watching intentional garbage bile fascination shit i've done my friend came back in town and said, hey, there's a show that he was never that guy. Like He was always just sort of along for the ride. And I think I just could over-condition him. Like, hey, there's a show that looks like it sucks called Is It Okay to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon? Do you want to take a look at that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And I'm like, oh, crap. I've got to take him out behind a shed now. Oh, no. I've created a monster. Because nobody wants to see Denard no more. <laughs> We are not reviewing that show. Actually, no. I am reviewing Is It Okay to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon. Mm -hmm. They used to do this thing to get information from people where they would take their fingernails out. Sure. And sort of leave that to fester and crack. Mm -hmm. And then they would ask you for more information. And each subsequent ten pages from my attempt to read some of the source material was one of those fucking nails. And that's the whole review. I just, I feel like it's easier. It is easier than people think to know the touch of a real woman. (laughs) You just need to believe in yourself at the end of the day. You don't need to be watching this. You don't need to be reading this. (laughs) This could belong to you. I uh, know, Sam. Isn't that trying like four times privilege? <laughs> I swear to fucking God. Aren't you just dangling, attempting to make it happen? Like I know that you can teach yourself social graces. It's it a skill just like fucking everything else. If you can teach yourself to code, if you can teach yourself Minecraft, you can teach yourself how to talk to people and how to talk to women in general. In particular, I mean, because that's what you're after, right? If you were a person watching, is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? Reading, is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? That's, that's the actual fucking. There's a comic. That's what you want. That's what you actually want. You don't actually want to be watching this show. The show is a means to an end. Yeah. The show is a sublimation. One of the apotheoses of this, apotheosi, apotheoses. It's like I know the word. It's harder to say. Apotheosis. Shit. Apizos for nizos. (laughs) Yeah. Is a comic, and I haven't read it too deeply. Mm -hmm. I've seen a chapter. Very poorly translated. (laughs) And I will die wondering if this show. I'm sorry. This comic probably has a show right now. 
was called The Hundred Girlfriends Who Really, Really Love You. <laughs> and I see that name and just the fucking high title I filthy have injected into ourselves. I swear to fucking God, I'm going to come around like the other end and become a fucking reactionary. <laughs> it's very possible. And anime is going to do it to me. But I see this, and I cannot tell if it is a straight failure of things on this wavelength, a failed parody of things on this wavelength, I'll a lazy parody that just does the thing. I think it'll... One of those two last ones that you just said, because that's what a lot of these things do in order to give themselves plausible deniability. And my dream for it would be for him to just slowly turn up the nightmare quotient of this. Or it's just less nightmare quotient and more just like this seething fucking resentment for its reader. <laughs> oh, I always have. As it becomes clearer and clearer that this is a work that despises the person consuming it. And I like shit like that. It has texture. I think whenever something turns out to be something like that, people tend to get salty. I like it. I like when that happens to me. Oh, it's man. why I like The Last Jedi so much. Man, people were not even ready for that sprinkle of fucking metafiction, homework. I really like that movie, and I am saddened by how fucking basic you people Dude, i'm sorry you got called for like coming up with too many fucking fan theories it's so weird to think that like when it came out like star wars was sort of a format breaking thing and how much people with their sort of default attitude would have fucking hated it mm. my uh, hot take of the day all right our second feature show i want to get to because i found it to be a pleasant surprise oh yeah yeah because I was kind of expecting a, sort of a neutral bread-flavored bread kind of thing from... I was too, to be honest. I just I just had heard that a lot of people really liked this show a lot. And I found it really strange that people had such strong feelings about a show that seemed so amazingly typical. Yeah. And this mother is called Horamiya, and it does a really good job of blending in all the fucking marketing material. I can tell you that shit. <laughs> It's a show in a high school. And there's these two characters. And, and one of them is one way, and the other one is quite different from that way. This show, I'm going to be honest, I was ready for this show to suck real bad. Because this show's like, twist, air quotes, to distinguish it from the path. Is that he's kind of alt. Is that he's kind of alt. Not like <laughs> hard alt. Like... No, he's like a low alt. He has, you know, some kind of freaky piercings. And I guess even worse, if if you're in Japan... I don't know. I, I Denard just told me about this. He has tattoos. Yeah, yeah. Bigger. Scandal. <laughs> People are fucking shocked. And that is the sort of crux of the pitch level content here yeah there's this you know this one girl who's a star student and her secret private life is that she just has to do more housework than the average teenage girl does because her parents are never home that's it it's wild that's yeah. it she's like she's kind of a, a surrogate. kid she's a latchkey kid kind of a surrogate mom to her younger brother because her parents are always busy that is and here's the fucking thing that it does. It doesn't seem interesting on the surface, but she's an interesting character nonetheless. 
And then he, who, you know, you think was either, like, a bad boy or an otaku, maybe, because he has glasses, and he's he's just kind of fucking seen. That's it. I feel like the show is like fucking Cougar Town. In that? In that Cougar Town pitches itself up. It's gonna be some sexy older ladies telling the... Okay, we got you in here. We've got a a character show. Shut the fuck up. Sit down. (laughs) I never watched any Cougar Town. It was okay. And... I'm sure it was. I mean, yes, it's, yes, it's, it's a scrubs guy. Right? Yeah, scrubs guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, 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 fun, fun for a few seasons. And horror Mia is kind of a similar trick, only put even less fucking effort into its bait. <laughs> of like, oh, we've got this niche of husbando here waiting for you, and it's fascinating what a show can do. It's fascinating what a show can do when it is focused so intently on character the way that it is and focus so in- intently on characters who do not do things just for the sake of drama mm. but characters who you just find yourself immediately invested in and conflicts that they are involved in tend to be resolved pretty quickly on this show just because they are all very reasonable people oh, and yeah, i think yeah, that might be some of the appeal of the show is that a lot of the time we'll watch relationship shows with idiot plots full of people doing stupid things because no one bothered to stop for a couple of <laughs> seconds to, to figure it huh this is kind of weird i wonder why someone would do it no they would just arrive at the worst conclusion possible and act accordingly in this there's more than one instance that i saw where someone is given the opportunity to misread a situation and they might for like two minutes or so. Yeah. Before thinking better of it. Before thinking better of the other person involved. Because it's strange. Everyone is... You get them. You get them. You like them. You kind of want good things for them. Horamia on the character front basically trades heavily in two strings. It keeps a sort of focus on like warmth and a lot of shows go for it and it may even just be that doesn't turn it all the way up to 11 but it definitely wants to build that feet that sort of hear your home kind of feeling it feels like it should be in danger of being cloying i mean these shows often are but it's not and it also i think it benefits from trying to be very consequential of what happens like just minding your and therefore buts yeah okay I think I was slightly less sold on the show in the total picture than you were. I think it was good overall. I think I, just, I was slightly less sold. I thought that they were just such charming people. They are They are charming. I think that... And sometimes that's for, all it takes with me. I think that it, sometimes, in a way, the show is almost... We I mean, talk about how quickly they, these conflicts are resolved, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean it's literally afraid of its own drama. Like, I'm sure the creator is fine. This thing is good. But I feel like it sometimes zooms away from these moments one might call, like, the climax or point or... That might... I'm going to speculate here. Um, That seems to me like it's more a product of um, the format that it's being adapted from. Because this was a young coma. Oh, this is a four-panel? Yeah. Fair enough. So this was a Young Coma webcomic. This is basically questionable content, except it's not boring. (laughs) When you can't write plots, so you add robots. (laughs) When you can't... No, no, I can't make that joke. 
<laughs> Can't make that joke anymore. Sorry. You're off the hook, Jeff. Run free, Jeff. Run, run free across the Serengeti with your two intact hands. You just put... I just told you that you couldn't make that joke. <laughs> I disavow myself of that joke. Uh, that was a Denard Dale exclusive. It's about to be a Denard Dale excluded. <laughs> okay, so I could definitely understand that being a sort of adaptation issue. But yeah, so you. Like, at the end of the day, we're reviewing end product here, so kind of like, you know, what are you going to do? I don't know. If you're like, if you adapt a young coma, then you adapt it into vignettes. And that is more or less what we are what we are given because and any given episode is going to have less of one you know like a plot b plot go uh than it is one plot then second plot then or one plot resolved and then the second plot and then once that resolves we get the third plot so i think that maybe a directorial mistake or actually no let's not even say mistake let's just say not my taste okay is that all right, so that's, that's sort of the underlying structure. Mm-hmm. But they sort of try to mask it as a continuous thing, and I think that hurts the presentation a bit. I don't think that they like really it, needed to break it up into chapters, because it seems cha- like... I know, like, what's missing? Just chapter headings? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Think I think just sure, maybe I just want them to truly live as vignettes, or maybe I just do want the little dramatic or comedic piece to live out longer, but maybe that's asking to change the soul of the thing which isn't really the way you should approach criticism you know what it reminded me of in a, in a very good way it reminds me a little bit of kakushi goto in the way that it conducts its sort of vignette style storytelling yeah and I, I, I guess i felt kakushi goto had more success with it though i'm intensely biased to the sayonara zetsubo sensei man it it is this yeah that that that's him it's, it's basically the same character at times <laughs> He's happier. He is happier. I like him because he knows the joke. You know, the joke, that one joke I tell forever. Oh, man. But Hormia is uh, definitely a, a dark horse kind of show that... I I'm going to keep watching would it. define it as a show that did more than it had to. And I was just charmed by the um, principal core couple. Honestly, more by the girl than the... Oh, just guy. alt lad. One alt lad who is. He's alt. He's alt. He is as much of a character device as a Pokedex, and I'm kind of okay with that just because the other half of this pairing is working, and I guess <laughs> as long as someone's ready to take the fucking hot tag. No. I think he deserves more credit. I've been there. Mm-hmm. That character, I've fucking been there. There was a scene that I found immensely fucking affecting. Right. Where, uh, you know, he's sitting there, you know, we, we get basically flashbacks, right. Of him not even fucking, you know, the, 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 uh, various teachers throughout, you know, his schooling be like, okay, everyone group up and him being like, Oh God, not even fucking trying. Right. And then ending up, of course, you know, the one person not in a group, you know, once all the groups have sort of coalesced as they do, uh, you know, whenever a group project is assigned in, uh, in grade school, um, and then, you know, here we are at present and the teacher says, okay, everyone group up. And he's just fucking sitting there 
like, oh, this fucking shit again. And then, you know, the three other, you know, principal characters thinking literally nothing of it, just like push their desks up to his uh, and like, okay, cool, let's get started. Uh, because, you know, they have, you know, he's, he has recently befriended these three characters and it touches him in a way that he was not fucking expecting. I loved that scene in a way that I was not expecting to. I enjoyed that scene a lot. I guess my problem would be that I would call it sort of the peak of what we get from him and maybe he doesn't always deliver on that wavelength. But that is... I don't know, very... we're only a few episodes in. Fair's in, fair's enough, fair's enough. And that was, I want to say, the last episode with him, or the last episode of this that we watched before recording. I am hooked enough that I'm going to keep watching it. There's this archetype by that that keeps on popping up. It's like when you notice a word for the first time, you just see it everywhere. And I thought it was an anime thing, but I saw it pop up in some Western shit too, and just... I am terrified by this archetype of younger sibling trying to get the main couple to screw. It is... <laughs> Are you a ghost? You're going, are, am I going yeah, to find fair. out you've been dead for 10 years? <laughs> it really does seem like a product of the fact that most writers are adults. Mm. And so they'll be able to take a young character and do basically whatever the fuck they want to with it. If, <laughs> it. With them. If you ever want to um, cancel Weeaboo Hell, I can tell the stories of the dating advice I've gotten from my siblings. I feel like this has come up on this program before. I I question my genes. I question this planet. Anyway, two strong positive recommendations this episode. Hormia is a good time to elevate a good mood. I am convinced that it saved at least three people from fucking outright madness throughout yes. this interval of history. Absolutely. I uh it it definitely after sickness had turned to why am I still fucking sick had turned to this isn't my fucking fault to this is someone's fault. Mm. This show did a very good job calming me down. And that's nice. And Shigurui Death Frenzy is a simultaneously meditative and explosive show. You could like watch it in a weekend and it'll kind of ruin your weekend, but you'll look back at it fondly. Yeah, and it's in that just vein of like dark history action stuff that I always enjoy. Yeah. I always enjoy. It's one of my favorite little scenes in comics. I think I just love these shows that have like this. Oh, in comics or otherwise. I yeah. fucking love Gladiator, man. Yeah, yeah. Comics or otherwise. Like, I, a lot of strong novels too. But there's a specific manga thing of like these shows that have this granular approach to the history and the characters. And then this coke addict attitude towards the action. You're about to start talking about Kingdom, aren't you? No, I'm about to start talking about Vinland Saga. Oh, Vinland Saga. Okay, sure, yes. And I really enjoy that, all those. I'm told I should read, um... Oh, there's a French one, Versailles something, whatever. The Golden Kamui. Check that we out. Should, we should fucking do Golden Kamui. We'll get on that business. I watched some of the anime. It was okay. Uh, we should check out the manga. Alright, well until then, this has been Weeaboo Hell. It is Weeaboo Hell.